0: former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy
2: Bonatoni on v the Sports Betting Network. We're rocking and rolling on a Sunday morning. Thanks for joining us on v the Sports Betting Network. This is the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi out there in Jersey. I'm Stormy Tony holding it down at our v studio at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. We, over the last two days, reached triple-digit heat. Here in Vegas for the first time this summer, still not as hot, Michael, though, as some of what's going down in the NBA, these free wow. agent deals. Wasn't that smooth?
3: Yeah, It's so good, Stormy. Really, uh, you know, for as early Sunday morning as it is, I mean, you're just on top of your game. You got to love it. Fourth of July weekend. You don't miss a beat. You know, filled in for Femi yesterday. It's just all good, right? I mean, I'm here for the we're team. We're almost close to. That's right. Amazing. You know, you are truly a wee player. You sacrifice for the good of the team.
2: So kind, Michael. Just trying to provide the good vibes for us all on a Sunday morning. I also, I saw something so interesting. I don't know if you'll care about this at all. So we'll see. That uh, one of the more interesting headlines I read over the weekend was that Tom Selleck was actually supposed to be the original Indiana Jones, and my mind was blown. Wow. These are the things I'm thinking about on a Sunday morning.
3: Yeah. Wow. That's that's unbelievable. That didn't. That wouldn't fit for me. Would you know? That just I see Tom Selleck in that mustache and. <laughs> You know, I, I see him. You know, kind of like I can't picture that, right? I can picture Harrison Ford. It'd be like somebody else playing Doctor Richard Kimball in in the, in the movie The Fugitive. Like I see Harrison Ford in that role. Like it's just kind of hard yeah. how you get it in your head. You know, but maybe back then, you know, it might have looked differently. Like some of these roles, it's it's interesting. We talk about blown draft picks. Some of these actors that just miss on hit on movies they don't play in, right? Well, it's like, they turned that down?
2: I guess he, which, I mean, speaking to the mustache, he turned it down because he was going to be starring in Magnum P.I., which is kind of how the mustache became so famous. So it, it all goes hand-in-hand hand like that. By the way, Harrison Ford, this he's 80 years old let's stop making him do action films he doesn't need to still be indiana oh jones God. we can take a step back yeah, You gotta back now. love it, though. <laughs> yeah i do yeah. i appreciate it for sure but i just thought that was have fine. you seen
3: have you seen the indiana jones the new one yet have you i seen have not
2: it? no have you
3: no i have not i don't think i've been to a movie in forever so mm-hmm. uh you know i was gonna go see the nike movie but then it came out on amazon so i didn't have to watch it the great george ravelin got credit in that which i was very happy about so no, I, it's been a while.
2: Yeah, I thought that was great. Speaking of basketball, it is time for what's on Michael's mind. Yeah, and I know, my mind. Yes, and I know today a lot that's on your mind has to do with Mr. Dame Lillard and his situation.
3: You know, these are always kind of conversations that the media loves. And, you know, remember years ago when Kevin Love wanted to be traded and everybody thought that they should trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love? Do you remember this? And Jerry West then was assisting the Golden State Warriors as an advisor. And he basically kiboshed that. He said, there's no way we're trading Kevin Love for that. So, you know, he's older and all those things. And, of course, Clay went on to have this incredible season. And that trade never happened. But, you know, for me, Dame Lillard is really a good player. The guy averaged 32 mm-hmm. points. I mean, he increased his point production last year by 8 points. Now he took he took more three-pointers than he ever has taken in his career. The team wasn't very good. The ball was in his court. You know, he played 58 games which would not have qualified under the new system for any postseason awards. But he's going to add a dimension and he's got a huge contract and by the time he's 37 it's going to cost you 60 million. But the NBA is all about today, right? So teams will be willing to give up young assets for a great player like Dame is. And so if you read the quote, and I thought to me this is more important than anything, it's what what the, the general manager Cronin said at Portland. now he's got the backing of Judy, he's got the backing of Judy uh, Allen, former the, the sister of Paul Allen, the former owner, is he said, we've been clear, we want Dame here. But he notified us today that he wants out, and he'd prefer to play someplace else. What what has not changed for us is that we're committed to winning, and we're going to do what's best for the team in pursuit of that goal. And since Dame doesn't have a no-trade clause, Dame's really at the mercy of where it, mm-hmm. what the best deal is. Like, they don't have to take Miami scraps to get this. And he wants to play in Miami. He would consider playing in San Antonio. I mean, he's a big culture guy. He wants to go somewhere where he feels he can be part of it. I think this is going to be a little bit more difficult than just, okay, he's going to go and they're going to trade Kyle Lowry and that's going to be it. I think this is going to involve a lot more pieces to operate, and it wouldn't surprise me if some team out of somewhere else that has a bunch of assets makes a trade for Dame.
2: My only real follow-up to that thought process, and I do agree, I I don't think that Miami – is going to be able to put together the proper type of a trade package that's going to be attractive enough for Portland, unless they get another team involved, unless they're able to really maneuver some stuff. But also, from an organizational standpoint and the relationship that they've had so long-standing with Dame, he has been such an important piece of what they do over the last 11 seasons, spent the entirety of his career there. It almost felt like a game of chicken figuring out Who was going to say we want to trade him or I want to be traded because neither one of them really wanted to be the bad guy in this situation but finally came down to it and Dame made the commitment saying that I want to move on from this and I don't want to be a part of a situation where we're rebuilding with a young team, which he had made perfectly clear for a long time, right? And then when you draft Scoot Henderson and take that step forward and say, that's the way that you're going to go, the writing was very much so on the wall. But because of that relationship, Michael, I just wonder if even though he has the no trade clause, if they, as an organization that has known and trusted and relied on Damian Lillard for so long, if they'd be willing to wheel and deal a little bit more on his behalf because of that, or if you're just like, no, this is business at the end of the day and we're going to do what's best for us, you're out of here.
3: Well, you're an asset. I don't know how you could do it. You know, they made some bad trades under the former general manager, Neil Olshay, you know, where they traded. I mean, they sent Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers and they got back Eric Blesso, Justin Winslow, and Keon Johnson. That didn't work out. And then remember the trade? They sent C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance to Jr. to the Pelicans and they've got back you know, Josh Hart and Nikolai Alexander-Walker and a bunch of other players, I mean, that didn't work out either. So I, I think they really have to be careful here. I think they have to spend their... their If they're going to use their asset, they got to get the most back for it. And I think that's a concern. Now, people are laughing at the grant contract. How could they pay that much for grant?
2: Five years, $160 million.
3: I, You know, so I wouldn't put it past them. You know, I wouldn't put it past them. But I, I just think to me... You've got to do what's best for your team, especially since he doesn't have a no-trade clause. Because what's he going to do, walk away from $200 million? From
2: the betting betting standpoint, um, it seems like folks have really jumped on Miami. I know when we were talking to Thomas Gable, who, by the way, will join us in about 25 minutes or so as well here on the Lombardi line today. But we were asking if any numbers had moved. And he said, you know, there are people buying in on Miami with the thought process that maybe Dame could come here. Now with the trade request official, we have seen a significant move in that number for Miami in and in, in the NBA title odds from 16 to 1 down to 9 to 1. The thought being that Him teaming up with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, being a part of that heat culture, as you referenced with Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley would be a great, I mean, a perfect fit on paper, certainly. But again, it's whether or not Miami is able to give the proper compensation to make a deal like that happen. Some other teams that you mentioned, um, I know the 76ers are in the mix. We've seen the Brooklyn Nets name out there, but San Antonio, one name that you said specifically, and... Uh, the, my big question about that, while yes, from a culture standpoint, and we know the outward respect he has for a guy like Greg Popovich, and they just bring in Victor Wimbignana in the draft, who's going to be a generational talent, but that's just another young team. Would you go from young team to young team? Like, wouldn't you think they'd try to at least help him out from that standpoint?
3: Yeah, I, I do, but, you know, I mean, they could be a young team who could get good in a hurry. I mean, they have so many, they have all their draft picks from 2024 to 30, right? So they could do pick swaps. They could do a bunch of other things. They've got Chicago, Charlotte's top-round first-round uh, pick, which is uh, top-14 protected. And they also have a flop with Toronto. So they've got a bunch of, of uh, first-round picks. they got an unprotected Atlanta first-round pick in 2025. They've got a top-20 uh, in 2025. They have Chicago's unprotected first-rounder. You know, and so 27. They have Atlanta's unprotected. They've got a lot of assets. Whereas, like Philadelphia has no draft picks, right? They have no draft picks, so they can't put that in there. Miami's assets are kind of a, a little bit limited too. They they owe Oklahoma City a top a first round pick that becomes a second if it's if it if it's not top if it's outside of the 14th. If it's in, it's if it's inside the 14th. And then they have their picks in 28, 29, and 30. But you're hard to trade because you can't trade consecutive ones. So I just think, to me, the teams that want them don't have a lot of assets. And I think if if you've made as many bad trades as Portland has made over time, and if you just study those trades, you can't make another bad deal.
2: Very fair, valid point. Where things sit right now in the NBA title odds, and I, I know I said Miami sixteen to one, nine to one. It's even bet down even more now to eight to one to win the NBA title. But the Denver Nuggets, your favorite to repeat at plus four seventy five. The Boston Celtics, with the addition of Kristaps Porzingis a couple weeks back, five to one. Suns six to one. Bucks seven to one. They're bringing a lot of people back. And then there's Miami, the Lakers, and Warriors. Um, I mean,
3: the Lakers at eleven to one. I got it. That that is an incredible number right now. I mean, I don't think people, I know, you know, people say, well, they signed D'Angelo Russell back. How good can that be? The Lakers are going to be, now, they got to keep the two guys healthy. But, you know, I mean, Jackson Hayes, they signed to play backup center. I mean, they've kind of covered their team at 11 to 1. And if those guys are healthy come next April and May, that's a pretty good number right there. No,
2: I agree with you. And health is always going to be priority number one when it comes to a guy like Anthony Davis. And of course, their aging star, LeBron James. But the issue with the Suns in having these marquee stars but not having depth, the Lakers don't have that problem. They have depth all around. They're two primary stars. So um, I think that we talked about it in the opening block of the show today, but they did a really, really good job of, like Rob Polinka has of bringing back so many marquee pieces especially I think Austin Reeves who is so critical um, that second half of the season when they really turned it on defensively and moved their season around but him Rui Hachimura you bring in Gabe Vincent from Miami I think a lot of good things could be on the horizon for the Los Angeles Lakers quick break back to the NFL when we return our visa NFL betting guide just came out this past week
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host Stormy Bonatone on VSEN, the sports betting network.
2: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and more. You can download the BetMGM app today. And stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your State Issued ID, open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're gonna love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call one 800 522 4,700 rolling along here on the Lombardi line. Quick update for those of you who are following the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Ricky Fowler remains your leader through eight holes, shooting three under on the day. Uh, Three birdies, Adam Hadwin, two strokes back at three under for today. But Colin Morikawa and Adam Shank both appear to be surging up that odds board. So um, we'll, we'll see how things ultimately play out there. Get a little perspective from our guy Thomas Gable in the next segment. But for now, Michael, back to the NFL because our NFL betting guide came out this past week. You were one of the many fantastic contributors in getting this whole thing together. And one of the articles that you did was called Coaching Matters for the NFL. And uh, a couple things I want to pull from the article before we look at some specific new head coaches this year and how that might impact the handicap. But you wrote, when handicapping, comparing the numbers, the DVOA and last, the last game has importance, yet understanding the coordinator matchup Can give you a slight edge when you research the coaches as you research players this can shed new light on game breakdowns and I thought that was really interesting just like yes all of these things in recent history super important. It's not just head coaching in situations it's coordinator matchups as well that can be critical as you are kind of analyzing these games on a week to week basis.
3: Yeah, you you know that that's really where the game is. It's the it's the chess match between the coordinators or the head coach who happens to be a coordinator and the past performance of that, right? So let's take Miami, and I use this in the column. Miami is playing Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers, in the opening game. So we know Brendan Staley is the head coach of the Chargers. We know Vic Fangio joined Miami this offseason. Vic Fangio trained Brendan Staley to be the defensive coach. He was been in his system. So these two gentlemen know each other. They know what they like. They also know how they break down tape. They also know how they prepare. They also know how they think and call plays. So Vic's gonna walk into Mike McDaniel's office and say, Hey, Mike, you know, I understand you want to throw the ball, but you know, Staley's defense isn't very good against the run. Here's why. And when you went out to Los Angeles and tried to throw it all over the lot, that's why you got beat. And so here's the way you've got to approach his defense. Now, they practiced against Staley's defense every single day in OTAs and minicamp because that's what Vic Fangio runs. Mm -hmm. So you got that. And the same thing with Staley. And then if you go back and take Fangio versus Kellen Moore, remember that game, the Cowboys coming off a bye week, they had Denver come in there and Denver just shocked the world and beat them when Dallas was Mm -hmm. playing really well and was going to win the East that year, which they did, and Fangio just shut them down because he understood what Kellen Moore is going to do. I think that is the reason why we always say, well, I never saw that one coming when a team upsets another team. The reason you never saw it coming is because you didn't study the coaches and you didn't study the history of the matchups.
2: No, I think that that's tremendous perspective, especially just four handicapping games every single week this season – it's not just player personnel that you have to be identifying here, but the coaching matchup's so critical. And there are a number of new offensive coordinators this year, and I thought what was interesting in your article was that, yes, there are six first-time coordinators, but you included Eric Bieniemy in that conversation as well because while, yes, he's been an offensive coordinator, he hasn't been calling the plays because that's what Andy Reid's role largely is over there in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. You also have a very different quarterback situation here. What are your expectations for how that Washington offense is going to be run, especially considering how high apparently this team is on a a young, unproven guy in Sam Howell?
3: Well, I think they're going to, you know, try to run the simplest West Coast offense they can run. They have great skilled players on the outside, you know, and so I think they'll try to be basic there. And so if I were preparing for them, if I were uh, Jonathan Gannon, and I would Nick, – Nick Rallis, the defense coordinator for the Cardinals, and I know I was going to open up with them. I would spend a lot of time understanding their Kansas City preseason tape and looking at how they install things and how they kind of build their offense and how they go approach what they want to do from a West Coast and then kind of tie that in and see what the enemy does and how he handles the blitzes and attack the protections – so I would be heavy involved in that area, but these this is a game where would probably be an elimination game for me in terms of handicapping because I don't know about I don't know about Drew Petsick, the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals. I don't know about Colt McCoy being able to stay healthy. I don't know Jonathan Gannon as a de- I know him as a defense coordinator. I Don't know him as an offense a, def- a head coach, and then Washington I'm uncertain about a the enemy calling the offense, their quarterback. So it's a lot of uncertainty here. Mm -hmm. And as I've often said on this network and on my podcast, one of the things about I've learned through my experiences here, even though I don't bet, is elimination is the most important thing. And when you have so many uncertainties in a game, it's best to eliminate that game. And this is kind of a game you don't want to play. The line moved immediately to Washington, partly because the perception of not having a quarterback for Arizona and them being so poorly. But we don't really know about Washington. So I think, to me, that's the hard games to always handle.
2: Yeah, we, we joked about the survivor contest and that just being it. It feels like a trap. It feels like a trap. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Don't you
3: think everybody's going to take Washington? Absolutely. And, you know, that's
2: and- going to be a hot ticket selection for sure.
3: Yeah, the home team, you know, they're the better team defensively. Arizona has no chance. I mean, just blindly you're going to take that, right? You say, okay, well, that should be, you know, and then what when, when happens is, oh, I didn't see that come. Well, there's a lot of variables in that game. I, I don't like games where I don't know the variable. I like a game like the Chargers-Miami. I have a sense of what Vic will do against Kellen Moore. I know I can look at that. I have a sense of what you know, McDaniel wants to try to do with Vic's influence against Staley's defense. So I I have a a sense I can handicap that and try to keep it on just a, a personnel basis as opposed to figuring out the scheme and the coaching.
2: Talking coaches, the influence of head coaches and coordinators as it pertains to handicapping this coming NFL season with Michael Lombardi on the Lombardi line. There are a number of new head coaches and and coaches in new places this year as well. You mentioned Jonathan Gannon there with the Arizona Cardinals. But as we look at some of these other new head coaches, Frank Reich with the Carolina Panthers, D'Amico Ryans with the Texans, Shane Steichen with the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you think is set up in the best position for success? this year and they can have the most influence on their team immediate from an immediate impact standpoint
3: well i mean sean payton he's been a head coach for so long it's just a natural transition he doesn't have to worry about what do i do here what do i do there i mean gannon's in a job that he's really not well prepared to do no disrespect to gannon it's just hard to understand the magnitude of being a head coach when you have only been a coordinator for two years. Same thing with Shane Steichen. Same thing with D'Amico Ryan. They're going to take some time. Frank Wright has an advantage in that area as well. But I think Peyton has the best one. Mm-hmm. So what I do on my sheet, Stormy, every week I take the games and I take the coordinators and the head coaches and I put them side by side and I compare them and then I, that's when I start my research. you know. And so I tag... Sean Payton, I think I put it, it did, I don't think they put it in there, but Sean Payton would be a green because he's been a former head coach before. The yellows are the ones that have never been a coordinator before or a head coach before. And those are the ones that you kind of have a lot of uncertainty with. And you've got to kind of handle that. So Frank Wright going against Atlanta, okay, I got a sense of that. I know what Arthur Smith likes to do against, against, uh, against the the defense that that Carolina will employ. I also know what Indianapolis would have done against against, uh, Ryan Nielsen's defense. So you kind of have a sense of looking at that, and you can compare it. And you could kind of have an ability to handicap it from that point of view.
2: Michael, that's interesting because I I know that we're talking about the importance of these coordinator and coaching matchups. But that's the first thing that you look at, I think, is pretty significant because you you, I mean, I feel like at least for me when I'm going through, I'm looking at, okay, just general offensive and defensive ratings where they stack up in the league. But you're going straight to coaches.
3: I'm going right there first and foremost because I need to start. Uh, Jim Schwartz versus Zach Taylor opening game. Cleveland versus Cincinnati. Okay. How did Schwartz when he was in Philadelphia play against the Zach Taylor? How did he play yeah. against Sean McVay's offense? Okay. So I want to know how he did handle that. And it's hard to run boots and nakeds against Schwartz. So how does that going to affect Cincy's offense? And then, you know, Lou Amaromo against Stefanski. Well, I've got that. There's a lot of track record there. So how does he handle that? So now I've got data that I can look at, and I can handicap that data. i got tangible data. Whereas when I look at Washington and Arizona, I don't really have any data. I'm just guessing here.
2: Really, really good, interesting insight. If you haven't already, make sure you get the VEASAN NFL betting guide. It came out this past Thursday. I know a ton of people have already gone out and bought it, but it's a great deal. 19 bucks, get everything that we do. Also, we've got the summer kickoff special for $175. That covers you on everything from VEASAN from now through the Super Bowl next February. But this NFL betting guide... Such awesome information in there from guys like Michael who gives you the executive perspective. We have the player perspective with Sean King and Mike Pritchard, expert handicappers and data analysis as well. So make sure if you haven't done it, you do. We have to take a quick break here on the Lombardi line. But when we return, we take a visit from Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook at the Borgata in Atlantic City. Don't miss it.
4: This
0: is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy
3: Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: Become a VSIN pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to the vsin.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Plus, you can check out the top VSIN experts leaderboard where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VSIN expert has the hot hand at any given time. For VSIN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24 7 video access, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. You can sign up now at slash subscribe. For just $19. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you on this lovely Sunday morning excited to welcome in great friend of the show like we do every weekend Thomas Gable director of the race and sports book at the Borgata out there in Atlantic City. I was telling Michael that it's uh, triple digits here in Vegas officially we've gotten to that part of summer so very envious of what you guys have going on out there. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's it's pretty nice weekend here, and actually uh, a big day here at Borgata. We uh, are celebrating our 20th anniversary today. 20 years ago today, we wow. opened our course for the Congrats. first time. So, yeah, well, it's a big day
3: here. Congratulations, T.G. That's huge. Wow. That's impressive. That that is, and it keeps getting stronger and stronger. I bet the pool's going to be a vibrant place today, there, T.G.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it always is on, uh, on weekends. Well, throughout the summer, any day through the summer, it's uh, It's the place to be.
2: Meanwhile, I don't have a pool, but I did buy a cool, like, flotation device thing that's meant for the ground it's not quite a kiddie pool it's like a floaty type of a situation but anyways that'll be taking place in my backyard later on this afternoon it's the little things my friends uh let's get started here talking a little pga tour the rocket mortgage classic going on at the detroit golf club right now it seems ricky fowler and adam hadwin both sitting there at three under on the day through that front nine fowler still keeping that one shot lead right now From a betting standpoint, Thomas, did we see a lot of people this week buying in on Ricky Fowler, seeing how well that he's played lately, that he could finally close one out and end the drought?
4: Well, Fowler was the pre-tournament favorite, uh, 12-1. to And, you know, it's tough to bet the favorites in this type of event where you know the scoring is going to be what it is. I mean, when you see... Ricky is 23 under right now, leading by one, still nine holes to play. Um, you know, when, when the winning score is going to be in the mid-20s under par, it, it's tough to take one of the favorites uh, because anybody can go low on this course. So, you know, right now, coming into today, we have Fowler Price that even money to, to win it. Um, Hadwin, who's uh, right there, one shot back, he was plus 350 coming in today, but pre tournament, he was 55 to uh, 1. Morikawa, he was 14 to 1. He's only two shots back right now. He's making a little bit of a move, 500 through 11 right now. Uh, he was 14 to 1 coming in today. Same price as he was um, pre tournament. He was the, the, the second favorite uh, coming into this event. But then, you know, you have guys who are kind of right there in the mix. Uh, more who's at 20 under par right now. He was 55 to one pre-tournament. Shank, who's uh, 19 under par, he was 90 to one at one point uh, before the tournament started. So, uh, you know, it it pays you on events like this to really kind of look further down the betting board and not really take uh, somebody uh, at the top there like Fowler or or Morikawa, who were the favorites coming into this. Uh, but, I mean, Fowler... Was a popular choice going into the U.S. Open. He was. We were writing a lot of tickets on Fowler for the U.S. Open. Um, obviously, a pretty good selection there. Fell apart in the fourth round, but uh, was the a, a first round leader. Uh, set a major's record there with the 62. And Fowler's also getting some looks here for the British, which is just a couple weeks away. But you know, you can't really compare these two events. I mean, other than the guys playing with the same equipment. The sport that you're going to see being played in Detroit this weekend compared to what you're going to see at uh, Royal Liverpool in a couple of weeks are two totally different games.
3: Yeah, you took me right exactly where I wanted to go, uh, T.G., because I wanted to talk about Royal Liverpool. Like, well, if Fowler wins this, and I agree, like this is the kind of tournament Fowler typically has won in the past. He hasn't had much success over the last four years, but he has – Will that affect his odds at the British Open? Because, you know, the last time this tor- champion was played there at Liverpool was 2013. And so, you know, Rory's going to be one of the favorites. So will Romby. But mm-hmm. will it affect McElroy? Will this have any effect on Fowler's odds going to to the, the British Open?
4: I, I don't think much. I mean, Fowler's already priced. Uh, he, right now we have him 28-1. to 1. Uh, you know you're probably going to find him right in there in that uh, 25 to 130 to one range uh, he, he's not really going to to fall that much uh, further in terms of odds if he wins this event uh, again because the the translation between courses just isn't there now recent form yes you know, Fowler obviously is in good form here lately um, so if you're looking at Fowler for the british that's where you're hoping kind of translates but uh, the game itself is going to be played uh, completely different. The Link style course compared to a course uh, like uh, Detroit Country Club here, uh, totally different, totally different. So, uh, you know, it's worth it to take a look at some, some European guys who typically play uh, Link style courses more frequently than the Americans do in the British Open. McElroy, as you mentioned, he is the favorite right now to, to win it. He won it the last time. Uh, it was there at Hoy Lake. So, um, you, you know, we know McElroy can can get it done there, but guys like Tyrell Hatton, he's he's uh, getting some interest. Um, and, and, you know, Cam Smith, guys that uh, have played overseas a lot more, they're going to be the ones that typically uh, you see take more money here. But you can't ignore guys, though, like Scotty Scheffler, just because of how hot he has been lately. Uh, I mean, the guy is – been a top 10, almost every tournament he plays uh, automatic. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see as we get closer where that money comes in. Still a couple weeks to go till the British starts.
2: Yeah, the PGA, some of the star power right now. It's been a really fun sport to follow this season. Uh, We'll see if today Ricky Fowler can close it out at the Detroit Golf Club, the leader in the pack right now. But we know how he's squandered some opportunities at the U.S. Open and the Travelers recently. Seven top 10 finishes this season. He's number 17 in the current FedEx standings. Let's turn our attention, Thomas, to Major League Baseball because we just stepped over that midway point of the MLB season. Whether it's, you know, division futures, um, specific players people are looking at or in terms of World Series winners where are you seeing a significant amount of handler teams that people are buying in on or fading?
4: Well I mean some of the divisions you can say are, are you know but NL East is pretty much wrapped up the Braves have that one uh, I think with the way the Braves look uh, people right now are, are looking to to buy in on them even though they have the shortest odds to, to win the NL pennant uh, and the world series, I mean, they, they just have looked tremendous and they have what's needed to, to make a good run. They have the good pitching. Uh, but if you're looking in terms of the value, uh, I, I think you have teams that are out there right now uh, in both the American league and the national league that you can kind of look at and say, they could make a, a run much like the Phillies did last year. And the Phillies are a team that I, I think there's still some, some decent value on them because the pitching has started to come around with the Philadelphia, the hitting has really, uh, they still have not hit yet. I think to their potential uh, Harper still seems to be in a, in a slump since he's come back um, while Schwarber is hitting some home runs. His average is uh, below 200. Uh, there's offensive production uh, waiting that happens still in Philadelphia. And so you could still get a good price on them. Um, the reds have become a popular team, obviously with the way, uh, they have been on a run lately, but again, the pitching probably will hold them back come playoff time. Uh, in, in terms of the liability for us, we're in pretty good shape outside of Philadelphia in the national league. The diamondbacks, uh, got some early money, uh, with the start that they got off to that NL West is, is going to be an interesting division to watch for the rest of the season. Uh, and in the American league, really, uh, the only liability we have in the American league is, uh, on the Houston Astros right now. And, um, um uh, you know, with the way the Rangers obviously have a lead in that division, so we'll see if that can hold up there for the all-star break there. But uh, I'd expect the Astros still to be able to make it into the playoffs.
2: T-
3: uh, J- uh, T- go ahead, Stormy.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, last thing to leave you on our final 60 seconds here. I'm watching a rerun of a previous hot dog eating contest. The 4th of July is going to be here <laughs> before we know it on Tuesday. Are you guys putting odds out?
4: Uh, yeah, we typically do on on the day of the event. Um, it, it's not something you write a ton of business on. It's typically where we see it is really on the uh, the over/under on the total that Joey Chestnut will okay. uh, consume there uh, because the odds on Chestnut to win are just you know it, it's almost pointless to bet him.
2: I needed to know, America. Awesome stuff, T.G. Thanks uh, for doing this. So
3: good. I want your I want your pick in the next box, Stormy. Thanks, T.G. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, thank you.
2: Okay, Michael, that's fair. I'll, you'll get my pick, and I'm going to find out from you over a 10-minute span how many hot dogs you think you could consume if you were going toe-to-toe yeah, with some not, of these
3: competitors. It, not no chance. Uh, I mean, uh, no chance.
2: So good. We're going to step aside. Don't go anywhere. We are closing out the Lombardi line next. Thanks for joining us. Visa the Sports Betting Network.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL
0: executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here's your host, Stormy Bonatone, on vSAN, the sports
3: betting network. Bet-
2: MGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Plus, planning a trip, you can also convert BetMGM points into MGM rewards points that you can use for dining, shows, hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts properties located on the Las Vegas strip here or nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today. Get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non withdrawable. Bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, Michael, with the hot dog eating contest coming up in just a couple of days. What's the over/under uh, that you would set on yourself?
3: You got to eat, eat the bread, right? You, you have do to eat the bread too. I mean, I I, I couldn't imagine. But these eating aren't more like three of them.
2: These aren't like potato I dunk buns. I them in water, like you know, they're like yeah. Scrawny. But I mean, still, I I like. I
3: mean, there's nothing like a, bar, a stadium hot dog. Uh, I mean, Al Davis used to eat them all the time. I mean, we go to the combine. The Otten brothers, I call them Otten family. You know, they would have every time, like around two o'clock, they would have to deliver two hot dogs to them with just only, uh, just mustard, (laughs) just mustard. mustard. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you know, and he would eat them, and you know, I can't imagine eating more than three. I mean, you could. I mean, that's it. First of all, it's not eating; it's it's engulfing. It's it's just it's ridiculous. I don't know how their stomachs feel after that.
2: That's fair. Um, for me personally. I usually eat two when I'm at a sporting event. Just in general, so I know I can exceed three. I feel confident there. But that
3: 10 minute. But you don't eat, you don't eat two in 10 minutes. I mean, like. Well, because you know, I'm not trying. I
2: honestly feel like I eat faster when I'm not trying. It's when I do have a time limit or something. <laughs> that's when I stress out. I gave myself an over under of seven and a half. I felt like that was a realistic well, number for me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love sure, hot dogs look, too. I'm a savor the flavor oh, type so of I. gal. I.
3: So do I. I love them. And, you know, I don't I don't I love them with just, you know, with the especially at a ballpark. I mean, with that steam coming on the red bread, they're so good. Yeah. What's your favorite hot dog? Are you a Nathan's girl? Or are you an Oscar Meyer? You're, you you're going to judge uh, me,
2: Michael. I am an Oscar Meyer cheese injected hot dog girl. That is the way I go 10 oh, wow. times out of 10 if I'm at the grocery store getting hot dogs out. What?
3: With cheese in the hot dog, I've never even seen that before. Really
2: delightful. It's got like cheese pockets in it. You know how you ever go to like a uh, the the like meat and seafood section, and you can get the ground beef with with little Mm -hmm. cheese pieces in it. Similar concept, but for a hot dog, and it's incredible. Highly recommend.
3: We're gonna we're gonna do the barbecue on obviously on Fourth of July. We'll be doing a show you and I from twelve to two. So. But we have, I mean, I don't think we're going to have the cheese-injected hot dog. We'll have hot dogs and hamburgers, but we won't have the cheese-injected one. I don't know if that'll go over with the with the head chef at my house. I'm
2: just saying it's an opportunity missed. You should really give it a go. As oh, it, I'm as sure it, of it. Yeah. pertains to the actual competition that's going to happen on Tuesday, we know Joey Chestnut is the year-in, year-out winner. He is a... Massive favorite once again to do it. Um, I was looking on the DraftKings odds board like during the commercial break. And the way you go find this thing, alphabetical order, football, golf, hockey, hot dog. Right in between uh, hockey and lacrosse is where you can find the hot dog eating contest here. His over under is set at 71 and a half, minus 130 to the over. And we come Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, we'll probably dive into this a little bit deeper. Uh, I also read because I got deep in the weeds on Joey Chestnut stuff. This guy, years ago, 2010, quit his job in construction to become a full-time competitive eater, and he makes over 500k a year doing it. Most people that are professional eaters only do it part-time. That is insane.
3: I mean, like if you go back to two, I did the same thing, Storm. You go back to 2005 when he started. He was a student at San Jose State, and he started in the record. Uh, I didn't even know this was an occupation in, in yeah. the uh, competitive eating scene. Who knew? I mean, maybe the Saudis are going to buy this league too. You know, <laughs> who knows, right? <laughs> the I World mean, like, Eating you know, Federation. Maybe, did Did you know there's a Waffle House World Eating Waffle Championship? I didn't know this.
2: You're just trying to find more things to sign me up for, I see, Michael. Because that sounds very. I mean, appealing how many well. grilled
3: cheese could you? How many grilled cheese could you eat in thir- in 10 minutes?
2: What hurts my heart about this, Michael, is all of these things that you're talking about are. Th- like items of food that I really, really enjoy. And I wouldn't want a competition <laughs> to make me not like that item anymore. So I, uh, I could put down some grilled cheese. Joey
3: and Joey in 2005, he ate 32 and a half grilled cheese sandwiches in 10 minutes.
2: The dude is a phenom. Awesome. So like I said, we'll, we'll give you the full breakdown, especially since one of the more interesting markets, because Joey Chestnut is such a big favorite. You can also bet on, um, on if Joey Chestnut was not in the field, who the winner would be. So we can get into some of those angles uh, maybe tomorrow or Tuesday leading up to the big event. Also, the ACL American Cornhole League Championship that follows up the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on Coney Island. It's (laughs) going to be an awesome day. That's what I said. America, we love it. Um, Time for our uh, pro tip of the show today. Free daily betting tips available at vcin.com. But Michael, this comes from The article that you put together for this year's VEASAN NFL betting guide just saying how handicapping head coaches and coordinators is just as important as handicapping the players. There are some really great coaches and some really bad ones that can affect lines and affect the way that a game is going to play out on a week-to-week basis.
3: No question. And I think, too, there's certain guys that give certain coordinators a hard time. And, you know, the fans don't hear about it in the offices, but there'll be guys where, you know, oh, no, you know, this guy gives me trouble. You'll hear offensive coordinator talk about, you know, they're unpredictable or we really have a hard time. And so, it, you know, when you know that going in, when you know that there's certain things that bother, like Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to play against Don Martindale's blitz scheme because it gives him trouble. And it's a chess match, right? So he knows that he's disguising the coverage and he's going in. The same thing Peyton Manning had trouble when he would play against teams that didn't move their defense. So this is the the layer of depth that I think you have to get to to understand it. Because if you're just picking games based on who played well last week, that to me is the biggest betting tip we can give you today. Don't take, in the NFL particularly, who played well last week is irrelevant to who's going to play well Mm -hmm. this week.
2: That's perfect. I, I know we've been doing the countdown, how many days to the NFL season. Um, I looked up, though, in terms of weeks, because it gives me a smaller number in my head. We're only 10 Sundays away, Michael. We are getting I know so I- close.
3: Your, your, your boy Will Hill sent me that text he this did? morning after I praised all the moves that he made for the Lakers, you know. And, of course, naturally, in only Will Hill fashion could he then say, well, it depends if we stay healthy. You know, like, seriously, any other team, he would be delighted. I, I just think, to me, the Lakers aren't getting it. 11-1, I think, is a pretty good number on the Lakers. I, that's going to shrink fair. I'm surprised it's that high right now. I really am.
2: No, I'm in agreement with you there. Just to wrap up that VCN pro tip, remember you can search our pro tips on vCN.com by sport and by show. So if you're looking for some NFL specific stuff, um, with, with our guy Michael here, that's how you can find it. But doing our best to just help you guys become as informed as possible. But we can close things out talking basketball and talking Lakers because I agree with you one hundred percent. I'm Really like Rob Polinka has done a really good job of doing what he said he wanted and bringing the band back together and surrounding Anthony Davis and LeBron James with the depth pieces that are going to make them better.
3: Yeah. And I wonder how this is going to impact the, the Clippers, right? The Clippers and the Lakers are in competition with one another. Right. And so the Clippers have had, you know, they got Paul George, they got Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you know, there's, a set, there's probably going to be a sense of desperation from the Clippers to kind of get this thing squared away. Does that mean Harden would be? I don't know how Harden and Westbrook coexist. Now, I know they both played on the Oklahoma Thunder years ago, but I don't know how that would really manifest itself. Dame Lillard there, do they have enough assets to get involved there? I think that's an interesting one. And as I said earlier, this Dame Lillard thing is going to – I don't think Portland's going to take the Miami deal. I think they're going to shop it and make the best deal that they have to. The other thing, I think there's going to be ripples effect of this. If they trade – if they don't get a deal for Harden by Philadelphia, I mean, how does this impact Embiid? And people mentioned the Knicks are involved in Harden, which makes no sense at all. Because, I mean, when you think about it, they just signed DiVincenzo to be a three po- to be a space shooter, right? They've got Brunson to be the point guard. Where does he all fit in that scenario?
2: Lots and lots of moving parts. Where things sit right now, at least, James Harden is a $2 favorite to end up with the Los Angeles Clippers. But to your point about how that might fit with Russell Westbrook, as he signs the two-year $7.8 million deal yesterday, we'll see how things are ultimately going to play out. The 76ers Plus three twenty to stay on the roster, which I just don't see happening at, at all. I'm happy for Daryl Morey actually, to move I, off I, of it.
3: You do? I I think I think he ha- he might have to. I don't think if he does. I I think you know they put that one caveat in there. They said that you know he there's no obligation to trade him. He may have to. Co- I mean, look, Morey's holding a, a tough bargain. If he's not willing to take a bad deal, I, I don't see. I think he could play there. I really do.
2: You would know better than I how close you follow that team. It's just hard hard to see it. You would hope Daryl Morey would finally oh, be able to. It's hard to imagine. Yes, it, it's hard to imagine,
3: but it's but you but it, but knowing how much they're asking, I could see it happening.
2: That's it for us today. The handle with Dave Ross and Matt Brown coming up next.